Thank you for listening to the Lunch Pail Guys podcast. If you enjoy the show and want to support us, the best ways are to leave a five-star review and subscribe on your favorite platform and follow us on Twitter or Instagram at lunchpailguys underscore. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 175th week of the Lunch Pail Guys podcast. This is our first episode of the week, and I am here with everybody. I got Lucas, I got Jared, Wyatt, Bart, uh, and me, your host, Aiden. Uh, we're going to start out, per usual, with some news we missed. Biggest news uh, over the past week or so is March Madness, which is now officially complete. Uh, LSU won the women's tournament on Sunday. I don't know if you all watched the game. It was kind of... A brutal game to watch from a refereeing standpoint. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, it absolutely was. But from a shooting perspective, on LSU's hand, scoring what 102 points in a 40-minute game yeah. is yeah. borderline ridiculous. Yeah, I, for, I forget what her name is. Like Carson or something. The one who scored 21 oh, yeah. points in the first half, almost all on threes, despite averaging like 2.6 points in the tournament so far. So, you know, cool. shooters got hot at the right time. It mm-hmm. would appear. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and then in the men's tournament, UConn beat San Diego State uh, on Monday um, in a, a game that seemed pretty cut and dry. But, you know. It went how we all expected. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Although UConn, no, yeah, yeah. San Diego State made it interesting for like a little bit when they pulled it. They, I think they pulled it within what five with like seven, six or seven minutes left. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. maybe. And then it just it was just UConn like somebody said wagon. Last week, somebody was like, "If uh, if UConn gets a lead late, they might blow it because they've been worse yeah. in the second half, and it almost happened. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. They haven't had to try in the second half part. You know, that's the great part about <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you dominate Beating the first everybody half, you take play. the second half off. Yeah. <laughs> it was like the Eagles this past year. They did that all the time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but in our, in our last news, we missed this week. I don't have context on this one. A rolled his Chapman trucked an ump, according to Jared. Would you like to uh, elaborate yeah, on that? So he, it was uh, it was one of those ground balls where the, fir- the first baseman had to come off the base to go get it. So he was going over to cover, but then the first baseman ended up making it back to the base. So Roldis Chapman got out of the way and right into the ump, just took him out. And then the ump, the ump, like he was down and he was doing this, like safe. And then he got up and he was like, "No, out!" And it was, and he was right too. Out was right, but I thought it was kind of funny. <laughs> That's funny. I thought the oh, bigger yeah. bases were supposed to prevent collisions like this, so you know. <laughs> they did. They're not at the base now. They're away from the collisions are away from the base now. Yeah. <laughs> Just all over the field. <laughs> Random collisions. They don't know how to play without a shift now. They just don't know what to yeah, do. Exactly. <laughs> it's, all, it's a totally different game. Anyway. I'm supposed to stand here? What? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Crazy. But, but anyway, moving into our first topic, we're going to talk about March Madness a bit more generally. Um, so this year, the Final Four was a bit weird. We had San Diego State, Florida Atlantic, Miami, and UConn. So not, a, not your typical Blue Bloods. Um, and ticket prices were down apparently 90% this year from around 2900 last year to 234 um, this year. So they were also less than the uh, women's tournament tickets this year. So this, this tournament was characterized by Cinderella stories. Wyatt, and toss it to you. Do people actually care about Cinderella stories? Well, everybody loves an underdog. 
They love when the little guy finally gets a chance to beat up on the big guy. And Cinderella stories are fun to an extent, especially early on in a tournament. But ultimately, I don't think fans really care if, like, San Diego State or Harvard or Florida Atlantic <laughs> really make it that far in the tournament. Uh, they, more importantly, fans love somebody to hate, whether that's, like, the Golden State Warriors with Kevin Durant or even now. The LeBron James-led Miami Heat a while ago. Uh, colleges like Duke, Kentucky, North Carolina – um, Alabama, if you're talking about college football, if both guys in the game are Davids and there are no Goliaths, ultimately nobody really cares <laughs> about like who wins that game because then everybody wins in a sense. The only exception is in like the women's bracket where Iowa beat the returning champs in South Carolina, but they had an all-time historic player in Caitlin Clark who people were talking about, like, could she play in the men's as well? There's no player in this in, that was that played in this last game against UConn, San Diego uh, State, that is projected to go in the NBA lottery of this next coming NBA draft. Cinderella teams have no draw, they have no bad blood, and ultimately, if there's no emotion directed towards them, then that's a bad thing, and nobody really cares that much. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. I think that like one of the big things about the upsets is the fact that they're upsetting somebody. So when you do have San Diego State versus Florida Atlantic in the Final Four. It's like, well, if one of them were playing Duke, I'd be more interested, I think, when Loyola made it a few years back. Like, I think they played it. I forget exactly who they played, but I think they played, like, a relatively big team when they made that Final Four. Like, that felt more meaningful. But I think you mentioned, too, like, what I think what made the women's Final Four more compelling, too, and I saw this, you know, talked about and mentioned as well, is that the women's game has something that the men's game doesn't at this point, which is stars, like like actual interesting mm-hmm. stars like with like interesting narratives like with Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese like I think you have like interesting storylines in the women's in a way that men's college basketball just doesn't at this point because of all the one and dones basically you don't have the time to like build those rivalries like all the best players are gone within a year and so it's a little bit off the point I guess of what we were talking about and we can you mm-hmm. know return to the Cinderella thing but I do think that was another point because we were talking sort of writ large about why the men's tournament was so down in ticket prices and viewership this year I think it's especially in comparison to the women's game like there's less interesting rivalries there's no real like superstar players who are there and dominating and that makes it a less compelling product to watch mm-hmm. yeah like Caitlin Caitlin Clark um is the only like college basketball player i remember since zion probably <laughs> i don't know if i could name a, like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> somebody that was yeah other than like a, a person that's now like an nba young star you know what i mean i don't i didn't remember them in college other than zion <laughs> yeah. but caitlin clark it was getting a lot of publicity and angel reese too but caitlin clark more so but <laughs> yeah yeah i agree with all that and i think i think people want cinderella stories up to a point especially in like the chaotic first rounds because there's so much to watch right like you're just flipping between these chaotic upsets you're not necessarily like watching you're not there to watch like a a quality i don't know like best against the best like one basketball game i'm sitting down to watch and when it comes down to those later rounds where we're talking about this this is the only game in its time slot i'm much more likely i feel like to watch the brand names um Mm -hmm. than a florida atlantic which I probably should be fine watching Florida Atlantic, but for some reason it's more compelling to have that, to have some kind of narrative to that one game. So I feel like the Cinderella stuff doesn't always last 
later into the tournament to me watching like a full a full blown basketball game. I think that's interesting too. Is uh, I'm kind of surprised that UConn didn't like. I don't know. Doesn't have a bigger fan base or like pull like a pull more weight because they they won like five national championships all since '99 too. And it's like I wonder if they were if they were like a one seed this year, would it have been different? I don't know, but yeah. they and, they seem like they're part yeah. of like the upper echelon of college basketball at this point, right? Yeah. I don't know. And what's funny about it is that like like teams like Kansas or Kentucky, right? Like teams that I would associate more with being dominant basketball powerhouses have won. I feel like fewer tournaments than uconn has over the past 20 years which is the entire yeah, time i've been have. paying attention to this but for some reason uconn just always feels like oh like i know uconn's good but it's always like kind of out of nowhere because i feel like they've had these weird dips where they're not relevant for a bit yeah and i think also like they're for uconn um because i think they do have the most titles in our lifetime of any team oh, okay um, with the five at this point um which is kind of crazy but i i saw nick Wright, and i'll bring back nick Wright again because i do like watch and listen to his stuff even when it makes me angry um <laughs> he said that uh he would place you he said that the blue bloods in basketball were like kansas kentucky duke it's duke north carolina kansas yeah, kentucky duke. indiana and ucla, UCLA. and yeah. ucla yes 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 and but he said that Indiana should be replaced by UConn. And to some extent, like, I think based on, por- por- like, pure performance, I understand that. But I think one of the reasons that UConn doesn't have that draw is because it's not a blue blood. Like, I think if Indiana made the Final Four of the championship, there'd yeah. be a much bigger draw, even though they've only made one Final Four in the last 25 years, I think. Yeah. So I think, like, with UConn, it's something like, even though they have been dominant, they're not, like, a historic yeah. power, if that makes sense. Like, their dominance is... Like they they've gotten good in the last thirty years and they've started winning championships in the last twenty five. But it, it feels yeah. different than like yeah. a North Carolina or a Kansas or a you know. Yeah, like in Indiana else. feels like it has such a deep seated basketball legacy, you know, whereas I just don't associate that with UConn. I don't know why. I would push back on it a little bit. I think it is it is possible. You don't need that much historical re- uh, relevance. Like I would say in college football, Clemson is part of that group and their their success is very recent. And I, I know we can ar- we can argue that when we get to the college football season, but Clemson I don't think is going anywhere. I think they're they're a dynasty. <laughs> but um, I think UConn's thing is they don't like recruit at a super high level all the time, and they don't have like that. They don't have like the brand name Coach K, Coach or like Calipari. You know what I mean? I think that's I think that's what I associate more with. If you want to break into the real upper echelon of college basketball, you need like that consistent figure. And I think that's what UConn lacks. And do like maybe Duke in ten years like is gonna kind of lack that without Coach K because yeah. they haven't been because like good. UConn how many did Calhoun win at UConn? Mm-hmm. That's a good like, question. Not... Three. He had three, three, and then Ollie had one, and now Cause... Ollie has one. Yeah. Yeah. But but yeah, I feel like they've been rotating coaches since. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I don't know because it's weird. I feel like even Villanova to me feels more like more of a blue blood than yeah. UConn does, even though that doesn't in theory make any sense. If fewer national championships. Like, they'd have won two in the last, whatever, seven years. But, yep. I don't know, it just feels more blue-bloody. And I think it's because, oh, they they won a title in the 80s. And I think there is something also with the consistency and coach that Jay Wright was yep. there for so many years. Yeah. Like, say, it felt yeah. like more of an established sort of thing. Whereas, like, I don't know. But even when, with Calhoun, UConn never felt like a blue-blood. Yeah. I don't no, know I agree. what yeah. that means. But, like, I don't know. Yeah. I just think there are certain it's areas and certain schools that have a pull, like, have a... a, a a pull to them emotionally. Mm-hmm. 
like Villanova, like what, what do you think about Villanova? Do you like them or you, or do you hate them? Do you love them or hate them? Right. Most like people would probably be like, uh, I guess I like them. I don't have any feelings towards them. Disagree. Yeah. You don't like you don't like Villanova. No, I was like a St. John's fan growing up. Like I didn't like Villanova. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's super yeah, niche. I was I was not as big a fan. <laughs> I feel like Biggie, like within the Big East, though. Like. <laughs> but like, yeah, growing up as a Notre Dame fan and now like a Temple fan, I think I, I am not as partial to Villanova as other people. But like Villanova and Michigan were part of the other lower ranked, lower watched uh, championship games back in 2018, as mm-hmm. well as Gonzaga and Baylor who was mm. the next – it's – the one that we just had, Villanova, Michigan, and Gonzaga, Baylor, are the three lowest mm. watched ones. I just think that there are schools like Gonzaga who has had a lot of success. They probably had more success than Indiana the, mm-hmm. the, this entire time. It, in our life, I would say that Gonzaga is far more likely to be a blue blood than Indiana is. However, yeah. I just don't think people have emotions towards Gonzaga. I think people just kind of like they're a whatever team, to be honest. Yeah. You need a movie made about you. Because even even know. somebody who lives in the same state, it's like I don't have any emotion towards Gonzaga. I guess I like them. I don't love them. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know Gonzaga is kind of hard. Oh, sorry. Right. Um, uh, no, no. F- finish that thought. No, I was just gonna say that Gonzaga is hard because like you don't pay attention to them for the entire year until the tournament because it's not like they're actually but, I mean, playing anyone or doing anything interesting. We always know what they Duke do a good job scheduling Kentucky non-conference games though. UCLA. But just yeah, that's but like just the first month of the season and then they play like, you know, St. Mary's and San Francisco University for like <laughs> 3 months and I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> also, you've probably you guys have probably heard the stat already uh, that this was the most viewed women's final in history. But I think the, the mm-hmm. thought, the thing that I found interesting too, was more people watched the final, that final, than every round of the NBA NBA playoffs until the finals, which is crazy. Not that many people watched the final, uh, the playoffs oh, apparently, <laughs> for the NBA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, wow. and the men's final had higher ratings than every single NBA finals game too. Yeah, yeah but but I even like, then, it yeah. was still the lowest rated game. It was still the lowest viewership, which is yeah. kind of crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just feel like that's a given, though, with, like, the single game, like, the, yeah. you know, oh. format. You get more viewers because it's just that. Like, it's it's a contained thing. Whereas, it's not that I don't know, even off, in Game though. 7, yeah. No, so, mean, yeah, like, uh, the men's, yeah, the men's championship this year, which was the lowest rated one, 14.69 million viewers. Yeah. Game 6 last year was 14 million viewers of the NBA Finals. Mm. Yeah. So even then, yeah, maybe yeah. a game seven, like, I yeah, don't know, that's pretty, Warrior, no, that's, Warriors, that's Cavs, closer than seven. I would have expected. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That was probably way higher, yeah. but yeah. yeah, I'm actually curious as to what the ratings were for that. Somebody, somebody stall while I look it up. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I definitely watched a lot more of the women's tournament this year than I ever have in the past, which could be the star drivenness. I feel like it was also a bit less predictable this year because it's no, or at least this year, UConn was not incredibly dominant, you know, South Carolina, mm-hmm. the 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 headliner did not win like that kind of thing it was a it was there were some like serious upsets and a lot of star power going on yeah which is cool also I, I found it uh game seven of the 2016 finals uh drew 30.8 million viewers wow yeah I mean that one was pretty that one was pretty big though it's LeBron LeBron and like coming back from three one and they're everything. polarizing stars yeah <laughs> it's because who the number one pick of this NBA draft is Victor Wimbanyama, and it's like 
He doesn't. He doesn't play college basketball. Mm-hmm. Neither does the next highest ranked person. So like that. Wh- at what point do we start getting towards the stars? I mean, at least if Alabama had made the finals, they're at least you know the they're a bad guy in college basketball this year. Mm-hmm. I think that like that those those type of things draw people in. Yeah. And San Diego State, as my as cool as it would have been, be like, oh yeah, cool. I don't think I would have thought about it uh, at any point. And I saw everybody thought about the UConn win it at all at any point because it's just like it, it doesn't matter really yeah I'm a, I, I am clearly in the minority on this I think I was more likely to watch this year's final four than a final four that would have been like Duke Kentucky North Carolina did you watch it though wow, that's... I did oh you did oh, okay, okay. <laughs> no. just more like tried to call your bluff and, yeah. <laughs> no I'm, I'm with Bart on this I'm more likely to watch it I was giving the arguments what? why I think more people join like but I'm more likely to watch this I think it's more interesting like yeah. oh no it's I like, would much rather see Duke Duke Kentucky <laughs> I think yeah, I would sure. too no, I, I think I want to see the Zion of... Anthony Davis face off in college Duke Kentucky <laughs> couldn't happen yeah. but from a purely like aesthetic standpoint San Diego State is just not fun to watch they're just really good at defense, and they just can't. You're just, they're really frustrating to watch on offense, and so I just like, like can't find it in me for that particular team. But anyway, yeah, college yeah, basketball watching the championship is ugly. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say that's not a San Diego State thing specifically. Yeah, uh, at I least Zion like is more interesting to watch. You know, the rest of college basketball, it's like. It's like 20 minutes of the worst basketball we've ever seen, and then a buzzer beater. <laughs> you're like, wow. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what makes it crazy. Yeah, yeah, I mean, what you want. Yeah. Okay, moving on to our second final topic of the day. Uh, we're nearing the end of the NBA season. I think, is it next week that it's ending? Or the, this Sunday or something? Um, Anyway, there's been a lot of MVP debate this year. Some of it healthy, a lot of it not healthy. Um, but it appears that Jokic, at least as of the writing of our outline, was the MVP favorite. I know Embiid had a wild game yesterday, so maybe things have shifted. Um, <laughs> but it's it's one of those races that is it's a, a year where it seems at least somewhat up in the air. Um, and so we're going to go through the kind of main candidates here so Jokic, Embiid, Giannis um, plus a a surprise player Um, and everyone's going to make their pitch as to why their player should be MVP we're going to start out uh, with Jokic which is Bart oh wait no I'm reading that wrong it's it's Jared Um, so so Jared what is what is your pitch for Jokic for MVP yeah I can't believe I'm coming to the defense for Jokic might be the last time but uh (laughs) Um, he, I think he has a really good case. So I, I know we, we hate the advanced stats, or at least Wyatt does. I kind of get annoyed at the advanced stats as well. But they are they are super telling in this case. And I, and I have some traditional stats too. But, I mean, for Jokic, when he's on the core, they're, they're on the court, their net rating is 12.8, which is literally the best team in the league at that point, by mm-hmm. far too, if you were to take all the other teams. The next closest team, if you're just taking team averages, too, it's a little harder to compare. But still, is uh, the Celtics, and their net rating is 6.6. So by far, the best team when he's on the court. And then when you take them, when you take them off the court, they would be the worst team in the league in terms of net rating, which is which is pretty crazy. That's that's a good stat for him. But okay, if you don't like those, if you don't like those stats, if you don't like those advanced stats or whatever, we got traditional ones too. This guy's almost averaging a triple double. I didn't even realize that actually. 
He's averaging 24 points a game, 11 rebounds, 9.8 assists per game. He's so close. He's just got to pad those stats in his last couple games. But that's that's super impressive. That's just like a traditional stat. This isn't like made up advanced stats. This is like traditional, <laughs> like as traditional as you can get. He's almost averaging a triple double. Leads the league in triple doubles. He's got like a 70% something true shooting percentage as well. So he's really efficient. His game is like pretty much improved in every way from his other NBA seasons, other than he's averaging a little bit less points, but he's assisting more. So, um, and then, okay, if you want to take all of that away, all of that away, you just want traditional, does he win games? Yes, they do. They have the best record in the Western Conference. So, I kind of feel like all the arguments I would use against him, like watch the tape or like, does his team's going to get swept out of the playoffs or whatever, which might still happen, but you can't really use that against him because he's good in the traditional stats. His team's really good too. Um, I think he's got a really good case. I don't think he's going to win again just because they don't people don't want to give him three in a row. But I think he's got a really good case. I think he has the best case actually. But we will we will let the other people debate that as well. Yeah. Any Jokic detractors that want to call out <laughs> something you hate about Jokic or? We'll move on to the next we'll guy. Yeah, yeah, okay. Embiid. Let's go, Lucas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, wait. I think, I think <laughs> Embiid, who is now the, the betting favorite oh, for the NBA, <laughs> as we have seen, he was, I think, on, on DraftKings minus 470. Uh, not a sponsor anymore. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's what I looked this up on. Uh, uh, anyway, he's minus 470. So he, he after last night, he became the betting favorite um, for the um, for the uh, NBA MVP, and I think the game last night proved why that's true. He dropped fifty points on the Celtics, one of the best teams in the NBA. He shot eighty percent from the field. That is an all-time great performance. He is one of only three centers ever with three fifty-point games in a single season. Did Jokic do that? No, he's not one of the other two names. They're Shaq and Wilt. So if Shaq and Wilt, if you're in the same category as anything and the only two other people are Shaquille O'Neal and Wilt Chamberlain for a single season statistic, you're doing something Lowest right. free throw percentage. Sorry, go on. <laughs> but hey, you want to go talk about free throw percentage? I mean, this is great. Um, but him and Jokic are basically tied in PER, but... He has more points per game. He is the most dominant scorer in the NBA. He is leading the league in points per game at 33.3. Jared, you talked about how they win. They have the exact same record as of today, Wednesday, April 5th. So you, you I saw your little, they're leading the Western Conference thing, but that that <laughs> sort of obscures the fact that the, the Sixers and the Nuggets have the exact same record this season. If the Sixers were in the West, I think they'd have a better record. The East is a much more difficult conference, so Embiid is doing what he's doing in a much more difficult conference. Plus, if you have eyes, you watch the game. He is a much better <laughs> defender than Nikola Jokic. Okay, no, that's true. Nikola Jokic that's true. Has get, is giving up more points when trying to defend a layup than any player in the history <laughs> of the player tracking era really? since 2013. Yes. <laughs> Holy moly. It is true. So, if you have somebody who, scoring, he's better. The rebounds and assists, you'll give to Jokic. But defense, he's better. The two way more important parts of the game, in my opinion, especially for if you want to win an MVP, are scoring and defense, and Embiid is better in both of them. Plus, all that aside, you cannot in good conscience give Jokic three straight MVPs, just from a narrative perspective, (laughs) I feel like. Do you know who else has done that? Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain, and Larry Bird. Nikola Jokic is an excellent player. 
deserves his MVPs, but to I don't know to give him something that LeBron has never done, that Steph has never done, that Shaq never did, that Kobe never did. It feels wrong. And the NBA MVP is frequently about narrative and stuff like that and not an objective measure of stats. So (laughs) if it's a toss-up between Jokic and Embiid, then I feel like we should give it to Embiid given his dominance on all sides of the ball and the fact that he has helped drag the Sixers to a pretty good record this year. They're going to be the three-seed in the East, the strongest conference. They've beaten the Celtics. They've beaten the Bucks throughout the course of the year. They've beaten all the good teams. I think Embiid deserves it. Lucas, what what is the... Nuggets and 76ers head-to-head record this year, though. In games when the two of them have played? Because I don't <laughs> know. Play the most recent one. <laughs> the they, at I think that is... they at least played... They're on the, the full game highlights cover of two games, so they at least played those two. Isn't it one and one? Didn't they each win one? Yeah, two and one, though, if you if you count every game. So. <laughs> yeah, but MB didn't play last week when they played because he was hurt. <laughs> That's because he was scared. scared. Okay, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Very obvious. You want to go the, the last game they played against each other? We can talk about those stats. <laughs> well, I'll pull them up. Pull, pull them up. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Dude. So they played on January 28th. The Embiid had 47 points, 18 rebounds, 5 assists. Jokic had 24 points, 9 rebounds, 8 assists. It's a great game. Riddle me which one of those games is better. More yeah, but which is better. I judge More games based off assists, so. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jokic is elevating his teammates. I don't know what Embiid's doing. That's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> on to the, the third member of this conversation, Giannis, Bart. What's your case? Yeah, honestly, the... the yeah, honestly, the fact that <laughs> nobody has mentioned Giannis yet is actually kind of sad to me because, in my opinion, Giannis's case is just as strong as either of the other two guys. Um, for one thing, his basic stats, outstanding. 31 points per game, 11.8 rebounds per game, 5.6 assists per game. So he's outscoring Jokic, and he's out-rebounding and out-passing Embiid. Um, he's the only player in the NBA who's top five in points and in rebounds. He leads the league in 30-point, 10-rebound games as well as 40-point, 10-rebound games. And also, I thought this was interesting. I love looking at historically. If you look at his numbers, just at the 31 and 11 as thresholds, the last person who did that was Moses Malone, 50 years ago. If you look at all of Giannis's number this, numbers this season, nobody ever has put up the same numbers that Giannis is putting up this year. So he's, he's literally having a historical season that people are just not talking about. And then we talked a little bit about defense earlier. Guess who's the best defender of the three? It's Giannis. Giannis is the only one who can claim to be a defensive player of the year candidate. Uh, he has the best defensive rating of any player in the NBA. And he actually, apparently, this was true one week ago. I didn't bother looking up the updated stats. He holds players to 7.6% below their expected field goal percentage when he guards them, which is, you guessed it, best in the NBA. And then last thing, kind of like what Jared was saying, if you don't care about any of those other things, you should care about winning. Giannis is the best player on the NBA's best team. Just earlier today, the Bucks beat the Bulls and clinched the best record in the NBA. Giannis has won 74% of his games that he's played in. That's the best of any player in the NBA. So I don't see why Jokic and Embiid are getting so much love when Giannis's case is just as strong as either of theirs, in my opinion. 
again i think a lot of it is narrative stepping outside my like Embiid focus thing it just feels weird that there are these three guys who are clearly have been the best three players in the nba for the last five years and two of them have two mvps and one of them has none when they're probably all equally yeah. deserving and just so i think like this is going to be Embiid's year solely for the fact that they're like well we have to give him one at some point you know like i think that that's a large part of it this kind of ties back to the thing we didn't talk about this in news we missed but about how the nba changed the all nba awards to be positionless so now whoever of Jokic and Embiid doesn't win it if one of them wins it can still be first team which makes so much sense because they are like you know this is objectively the three best players in the nba and they should all be first team and it didn't used to be that way so that's nice Mm -hmm. all bigs team you know (laughs) <laughs> okay now now for the wild card we got wyatt who else is worth uh bringing into this conversation i feel like for the wild card it's important not only for me to just kind of toss a name out there but to list some of the detractors on why they wouldn't win uh first and foremost it is not jason tatum and who you might think it is how boring would it be for me to just go one <laughs> slot down the list to the next betting favorite uh they are fantastic with the second best record but i'm gonna go with Donovan Mitchell, who mm. I think is kind of seeing a little bit of a career a career resurgence. If he hadn't kind of kind of if he hadn't lost favor with fans with his last couple of years in Utah, just with oh great regular season, not so great postseason, then maybe coming into this year it would have been a narrative that it's about his time to go ahead and get and win an MVP for how well he did. He already had his moment this year with a seventy one point game against the Bulls, which wasn't like, like Don, um, what's his name on the Suns? Devin, Devin Booker? Booker. Devin Booker, who it wasn't like Devin Booker who scored 70 and they lost. They actually <laughs> won 145, to like 134 in that game as well. So it was, it, it was an impressive performance on the lease. And at the end of the day, I will understand that his rebound and his assists per game are really low when it comes to like his impact on the game. He has a 28.3 uh, points per game, which isn't exactly impressive as the seventh highest in the league at the moment. But I will say this, he is kind of seeing a little bit of a turnaround on what was a big knock on him as not being a defensive wing. He's not the anchor for the league's best defense uh, for the Cleveland Cavaliers, but Without him, they have a defensive rating of 114.0. And with him, they have a defensive rating of 111.5. So at least they are better with him on the court defensively than they have been and the Utah teams have been in years past. So I think that there is a level of he's had a career resurgence a little bit. He definitely fits into this group. He has a lot of rapport. He's more efficient now than ever. Uh, he has seen upticks in three-point percentage and free throw percentage as well he is the second lowest amount of turnovers he's had his entire career this season um it's a dramatic dramatic change to what he has been before and like i said if this was his third year in cleveland we'd probably be talking about it uh other than you know his last couple years in utah that have kind of worn fans down at least on the mystique of donovan mitchell Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like my diss on Donovan Mitchell was I always thought he was kind of a volume-ish scorer, not always that efficient. That's that's wrong. I don't know. He's he's directed or changed that for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, now for the verdict. 
Um, y'all have made it difficult. I actually thought all of your arguments were very good. I will. I will. The, the judge says that, you know, he means it sincerely. Um, yeah. Gavel. Yeah, add the gavel sound effect. Um, yeah, I'm going with Jan. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm going with Embiid. I wow. <laughs> did not mean to what do that part. I am sorry. That Freudian was really cool. Slip. Freudian slip. I know. Honestly, maybe. I thought, Bart, your case was very um, convincing. But, but I think the narrative is definitely favoring Embiid at this point. And I think he has every statistical reason to win it too um so i I don't think that's a bad thing like sometimes the narrative i feel like you know outpaces the stats and it's hard to make the statistical case against Embiid. even if yes the case for Jokic is probably just as good i think the case for Giannis in terms of stats probably just as good um but it does feel like it's Embiid's year to win and he just feels like the the player his his is the season i'll be like that i'll remember i think of the three at this point so I'm going with Embiid for it. Congratulations, Lucas. This is your first, well not not your first court victory. I'm not sure how you've done in our uh, <laughs> our, our previous, you know, Lunchpail Guys court cases. But yeah. well, I will take that one home with me. Um, and if you want to take something else home with you, you can download this podcast and keep listening to it. Take it with you at home, anywhere else. Have us with you at any time of the day. You want some good sports content. You should also subscribe to us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at lunchpailguys underscore. And keep on listening. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>